0: Hello and welcome to Songs for the Struggling Artist the blogcast. This is episode 316. My name is Emily Rainbow Davis. Thank you for listening. Today I am recording at a friend's house. So the sound is different yet again. It's going to be a little bit of an experiment for the next few weeks and I'm also traveling a little bit. So you know, we'll we'll try not to disrupt your expected sound quality, but uh, yeah, it's a little different, I know. First of all, this is my travel mic, not my regular podcasting mic, so it already has a different quality. And then just being in a sort of an echoey house, this house has more stuff in it than where I recorded last week, so it, it does have slightly more sound cushioning but not a lot (laughs) uh so i i have now i think this is my 17 millionth attempt to record i am twisting myself into some very interesting uh uh, organizations of self to deliver this podcast to you today (laughs) anyway what uh we have for you on the blog is uh, a, a, a blog about dragons. Um, and I'll just read it to you, how about? It is called, Is This a Dragon Zeitgeist? As many of my readers will be aware, back in 2018, provoked by the Brett Kavanaugh hearings, I wrote a piece called, I am a dragon now. The fear of men is my food. A few months after that piece went around, Elements of it poured themselves into a piece that became The Dragoning, an audio drama podcast. The podcast came out in the spring of 2020, and season two just launched. I'm taking you through this timeline because here, in 2022, an award-winning author has published a novel called When Women Were Dragons, in which there is an event known as The Dragoning. A friend sent me a review of this novel because it sounds an awful lot like my piece. Not identical, of course, but close enough to be uncomfortable. Has best-selling author Kelly Barnhill stolen my idea? I doubt it. I suspect dragons were in the air, and we both reached for them. I think of Elizabeth Gilbert's idea about ideas. She unpacks this notion in Big Magic. This is her theory that ideas just sort of float through the air, and they visit whomever they think will realize them. The ideas visit lots of artists at once just to be sure they are born. My guess is that the dragoning was in the air, and it chose both me and Kelly Barnhill. I got the idea out faster, but Barnhill will spread it more widely. It is slightly uncomfortable, of course, to find that something that came from my brain also appeared in another person's brain, and a woman who was exactly my age, no less. It's like the idea was flying around in 2018 and was like, I need a 44-year-old woman to take this. And run with it. And maybe it wasn't even just me and Kelly Barnhill. Maybe there are a dozen more 48-year-old women who were visited by the Dragoning fairy four years ago. Is it possible Barnhill, consciously or unconsciously, lifted this idea from me? Like, maybe she read the blog, which did go pretty viral, especially among Gen X women, and she thought... I can imagine a world based on this. And off she went. It is possible. Same thing happened to me. But do I think she stole the idea from me as every novice writer is always convinced will happen to them? I do not. I've read Barnhill's work. She has no shortage of imagination. She's not out here trying to steal anything. She doesn't need to. Her brain makes up a lot of neat stuff on its own. She does not need to steal. I'm incredibly confident in her ability to make up her own magic. But I do find myself in this incredibly awkward position of finding my own work slightly less Googleable because someone else with a much larger platform than me has written a work with my title in it. They got Naomi Alderman, who wrote one of the most exciting books of the last few years, The Power, to write a review of it in the New York Times. Naomi Alderman is also 48 years old. It feels like all the girls in my class are writing magical feminist speculative fiction and they all joined a club, so they're getting together and hanging out, and I'm all by myself over here, quietly declaring I was here with this first The other thing that sucks about this is that the only way to find out if Barnhill's work is somehow derivative of mine is to read it. And I don't feel I should, even though I know I'd enjoy her writing. I loved her novels for young people, and I I don't want to mix up the waters. I don't have any plans to write a third season of The Dragoning, but I'd like to have the option. And I don't want to unconsciously take on a different writer's dragons. So I guess I just have to wonder about it or wait for my friends to read Barnhill's book. I feel like I want Barnhill's book to be a success because maybe a rising dragon tide could lift all dragon boats, but I'm also not looking forward to being overshadowed by an established writer who has an agent and an editor and all the trappings that come along with success. I'm proud of my work, and it would be very painful if the spotlight shining on that award-winning author just cast me further in the shadows. That's why this is complicated. I am reasonably sure we're all just part of a zeitgeist in a world where women long for the power of dragonhood while we watch our rights and hope disappear. But the zeitgeist doesn't feel great. Maybe just because I'm not in the club. So have have you read this book? Have you even heard of it? See, this is the thing. I thought it was going to be a big, massive success, this book. And basically, since my friend sent me that New York Times review, however many weeks, months ago, uh, I have not heard a single thing about it or seen it anywhere. So I guess it has not been a giant hit, which I was sort of afraid it was going to be, and also thought maybe it should be because then it could help me somehow. Anyway, it's very complicated, it's weird. Uh, I, I've not had this experience before <laughs> and I, you know, I've been making things for a fairly long time. So, uh, anyway, if you have read it, tell me something about it. I don't know what, I don't want, I don't know what I want to know. At some point I'll read it. Uh, just not right now. Anyway, uh, her book, the girl who drank the moon is a little bit bonkers, but I enjoyed it very thoroughly. It's for kids. It's good. Uh, There's a lot. It's like every, it's like every idea is in there, (laughs) but it it was uh, delightful to read and won some kind of fancy children's book award. I can't remember which one. Anyway, that's, that's that situation. So what song should go here? Well, I have listened to a lot of songs about dragons And there's one, actually, that's incredibly perfect. (laughs) uh, I was shocked when I finally found it. Um, It took me a while, but I got there. Um, It is from the movie Pete's Dragon, which was a very formative movie for me as a child. I kept mixing up the title because the dragon's name is Elliot, and I was 100% sure that this movie was called Elliot's Dragon. In my defense, I believe I may have been four years old, five years old, six, something. I was a very small child when I saw this movie, and I I was very impressed with it. I did not remember anything about it. This is the thing I keep thinking about. This is a total tangent, by the way. But, you know, in the 70s, right, you see a movie and it changes your life. You're like, wow, this movie blows my mind. And then you only see it the one time. So it's not like I could tell you anything about Pete's dragon. Uh, I could tell you some more things now. But at the time, like before before I did some research, couldn't have told you a thing. Did not remember anything except there's a dragon and that I got Pete and Elliot mixed up. Uh, because, uh, you know, I was I only saw it the one time and I was a child. <laughs> but... It, I think like kids in the last, basically since the invention of the VCR, kids have a much different experience of movies than than we did uh, as as youths, because you could see a movie, you could feel like it is was transformative, but it was a little bit more like theater in that like you saw it the one time and then that's it. Whereas kids now like they can recite entire films to you because they watch them over and over and over. Like they read books, which is very sensible and interesting. I'm just very curious about what that does to how you interact with film Um, and maybe also theater and also books. Like does this explain the audience at the Harry Potter play a little bit. It might. I don't know if I wrote about this in my blog about that show, uh, but it was remarkable how uniform that audience was in its responses to the show. It was like being like in the brain of one person who was actually thousands of people. It was wild. Um, it was exciting, actually. Like I was like, "Oh, I can!" I, it helped help me understand a phenomenon. Anyway, I, I just think there's something about how we engage with film, in that I found this movie incredibly powerful as a child, and yet can remember nothing about it. And um, kids who, you know, grew up being able to watch things over and over know every line of a of a film. Anyway, that's a total tangent. So the song is called There's Room for Everyone. And it's about making room for dragons, but it's also about making room for everyone, right? Which is sort of what this piece is about in a funny way. Also, this is kind of a like really sweet, in- inclusive song. And uh, I feel like it could use a, a, a comeback. Um, yeah, so. Helen Reddy also sings it. Amazing. Um, so I'm going to sing that for you in just a little bit here. Meanwhile, thank you so much for listening. If you like the podcast, please tell someone about it. Like, review, subscribe. If you'd like to support it with your dollars, there's patreon.com slash Davis. There's also Kofi, PayPal. All those links are in the show notes. If you'd like to listen to the dragoning mentioned in this episode, uh, just search for it on any of your podcast apps. and season two, it will be there. We are six episodes into season two at this point. Four more episodes to go. And uh, yeah, check it out if you haven't. And then read Kelly Barnhill's book and tell me about it. You can make a little uh, comparison. i'd be I'd be curious to hear that. Yeah, so right. What I'm gonna give you here, is there's room for everyone in this world? Sung by Helen Reddy in the movie Pete's Dragon, not Elliot's Dragon. Don't get it confused. <laughs> uh, and, and now, sung by me with a ukulele, uh, not an orchestra. I feel like you know an orchestra would help, but uh, but you know there's some there's there's there's. There's a minimalism to the ukulele that maybe pops the lyrics out a little bit more. Anyway, please enjoy There's Room for Everyone in This World.
1: chance to see